0: what she said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host Candace Sampson. It's no secret I'm not a fan of Valentine's Day. Don't get me wrong I'm a big fan of love but Valentine's Day is a little too commercial for me. Not to mention it can leave a lot of people feeling left out. I remember many tears in elementary school when one kid wouldn't receive a valentine and let's not forget about single people. So on today's show, we look at the holidays that sandwich Valentines, young love and old love, plus a holiday nobody even knew existed. Here's what's coming up. Galentine's Day is on the 13th of February, and so I asked Jessica Painter, founder of In Her Circle, to join me. Jessica has created a community that helps women fight loneliness and build authentic, supportive friend circles. Jessica and I discussed the importance of having a solid squad and how to celebrate the bonds of sisterhood, not just on February 13th, but every day of the year. Allie Payne is back to discuss the teens in our lives and how could we not take a look at teen love. Before you dismiss it as puppy love, it's important to pause and take their romantic relationships seriously. Parents can help their child navigate this important stage of development and set the foundation for healthy relationships in the future simply by practicing empathy and listening with an open mind. And Brody pops in with new entertainment, which includes the documentary The Eye Has to Travel about the iconic fashion legend Diana Freeland, available on Amazon Prime now. Also available on Prime is Somebody I Used to Know, starring Alison Brie, who co-wrote the film with her husband and director Dave Franco, which has a sly new twist for a leading lady in a romantic movie. Plus. The Love Club on W, just in time for the hopeless romantics out there. Singles Day falls on the 15th of February, and there has been loads of evidence presented lately that says that unmarried, childless women are the happiest subgroup of the population. Yet, as we approach Valentine's Day, there is a societal pressure put on the single ladies. So I called on Nora Spinks, CEO of Work-Life Harmony Enterprises, to join me to discuss the stigma of singleism, why unmarried and childless women are so darn happy, and how to avoid some of the loneliness that single women may feel. Dating after divorce is about as enticing as a root canal. It can be daunting jumping back in the dating game after a long marriage. And believe me when I say everything you know about dating has changed. Nadine Araxi has your back. Nadine has personally experienced the difficulties of navigating the dating scene, written about her experiences for magazines including Chatelaine, and joined me with Chapter 2 Dating for an extended podcast on this very subject. If you're currently thinking about throwing yourself back in the dating ring, listen to this interview first. Finally, I don't even know what to say about the fact that along with celebrating Galentine's Day, Valentine's Day and Singles Day this week, there is also National Poop Day coming up on February 13th. Perhaps I should have put this at the number two spot in today's show. Either way, Dr. Ashley Margison joins me for a couple of laughs, but some serious info about your health and how a lot of how you're doing starts with taking a good look at what you leave in the bowl. Oh, come on, we all look. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. not a big fan of Valentine's Day, but Galentine's Day? That makes my heart happy because I fully believe in the power of female friendship. My next guest does too. Jessica Painter is the founder of In Her Circle, a community that helps women fight loneliness and build authentic, supportive friend circles. And what better day to talk about this than on Galentine's Day? So don't go anywhere as Jessica and I discuss the importance of having a solid squad and how to celebrate the bonds of sisterhood on February 13th. Welcome back to the show, Jessica.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: When I was thinking about Valentine's Day, you were the first person I thought of because I really love what you've done with Inner Her Circle. So how does Inner Her Circle help w- women build authentic and supportive friend circles?
1: Well, we have done a lot of different things. We've done, we've hosted events that really focus on making connections. I remember when I was trying to make friends, I would sign up for events, and they were great. But there was never any time to actually connect and talk with people. There wasn't any direction, and so that's really what Inner Circle does. We provide a safe, gentle space. Um, we give conversation starters to really get people mixed up in the room and talking to each other, and really focus on the connection piece. And um, yeah, and so we do it that way. We have. Facebook events. We're on meetup and do small intimate group dinners. Like Everything that we do really focuses on um, connecting one-on-one with new people and trying to build those initial foundations of friendship. And for Valentine's Day, I think it's a really good time to shore up
0: those relationships you do have and let your friends know how much you love them. So do you have some suggestions for ways you can celebrate this day with your friends?
1: You know, I think signing up for different classes like maybe um, a bracelet making class or one of those paint night type classes if you're into yoga you could do um let's do a yoga class together tonight and then get drinks afterwards like you know just something simple and fun that you can um just invite the people that you care about to get together and celebrate your your girlfriend's and I think a
0: fun way too, is to also, you know, those typical things we do on Valentine's Day, you know, sending flowers or chocolates, you could do those with your girlfriends as well. It's a really nice way to just, you know, let them know that you're thinking of them.
1: Oh, exactly. And even with um, a Starbucks gift card, like you can just like, those are so easy to send, like, here's $5. Happy Valentine's or Galentine's Day. Um, you know, love, appreciate your friendship.
0: Yeah, I was watching a video the other day, and there was a woman who was talking who said that it was easier for her to use a dating app than a friendship app, because she was felt under such uh, pressure, meeting a potential friend. So do you have any advice for women who are really struggling to make new friends? Uh, You know, those first steps?
1: Yes, I I do think Making new friends is very similar to dating, and I g- agree it can be even more stressful because um, you know it's a romantic thing you know comes and goes, but friendship you really want it to be for a long time and you want you don't want to waste your time too so I feel like there's just a lot of pressure um I think going into a new friendship when you're meeting someone new, just knowing. Being exactly what you do on a date, like being crystal clear in what you're looking for, um, you know, and trying to find people who are in similar life stages tends to make things easier. So if you are going through a divorce, you're not going to want to hang out with a bunch of happy married people. It's just not going to make you feel good. So you're probably going to want to try to find people who um, have gone through a divorce as well because they're going to relate to you on this um, new chapter of your life. And um, yeah, so I think just really focusing on where you are in life and what you're looking for, and then try to find people who match that stage. I think we put a
0: lot of focus in, in our society on how to maintain a happy romantic relationship, and we less so on the focus of how to maintain a happy friendship. What advice do you give to people that in your circle uh, that, you know, to maintain those relationships and keep them happy and functioning and, you know, um, I guess, uh, supportive is the word I'm looking for, really? What do you, how do you manage that?
1: I think it's important to make time for those friendship dates. Um, Like I know like schedules can get really busy and sometimes I'll, be like, oh my gosh! It's been over a month since I've seen um, this friend, and um, I I do something like I set reminders in my calendar, <laughs> um, and I have it's a little bit technical, but that's just how my brain works. I set calendar reminders in my calendar. I have a list of people that I'm like, okay, like these are right now the most important people in my life, and I want to make sure that I'm connecting with them, and um, yeah, I just. That effort, both people have to pursue each other. It's just, again, like a romantic relationship, just in a friendship. You need to pursue that person and try to make time for that quality time. And, um,
0: yeah. I think about, you know, it's, it's right now in terms of the economy, we all think, oh, everything's so expensive and I can't afford to go to a movie or I can't afford to go out for a coffee. Um, and I read an interesting article recently where a woman said she has dates with her friends when she's running errands. And I thought that was such a great way to connect. You know, her friend joined her on her errands and she joined her friend on hers. And it was just a great way for them to spend time sitting in a car, running from thing to thing and really connecting. Do you have some other low
1: budget suggestions for people? Yes, um, I do love the errands thing. Like I've definitely gone to Costco (laughs) with a friend and we've both gotten our grocery shopping done at the same time and it's wonderful. Um, Even like starting a book club, you know, um, I, my book club, we focus on finding books that are available at the library. So we're not spending any money on buying a brand new book every single month. Like we try to find one where it has enough copies for all of us. And, um, and then we take turns hosting and it's just light snacks and it's a cheap, um, fun way to get together, um, and reconnect and catch up. There's a lot of different um, ways. You could just invite someone over for tea and coffee. You don't have to go out, you know. Right.
0: And I think that's important to know is that, you know, it doesn't have to be this big, uh, expense to stay in a friendship and, you know, and to be mindful that maybe your budget is a little bit different than somebody else's budget as well. And to maybe not be planning a trip to Paris when somebody else is struggling to, you know, make their rent. (laughs) So
1: being aware of that. Uh, So can you give us a sneak peek of what's in store for in her circle this year? Well, right now, um, we're really trying to branch out into other cities and have more meetup groups so we can start hosting more just these small, intimate dinners of about six to eight women, um, because that's really where the magic happens in these smaller groups. And so, yeah, that's what, and we're probably going to be doing more um, Find Your Wing Woman events, so they're friendship speed dating events, so stay tuned for all of that. So if women want to work
0: with you, Jessica, and sort of develop circles of their own and join your business, how can they do
1: that? They can. We have a Facebook group that's free to join, and we have almost 800 women in that group. We do have a meetup account as well, and that... person helps organize small intimate group dinners. And um, we'll also be hosting some more find your wing woman's be dating nights. So it's be dating for friendships. So stay tuned for that. Oh, I love that idea. That sounds so fun. Uh, Jessica, I think this is such a great idea.
0: And I think it's just sorely needed after coming out of the pandemic and so many people are lonely. So thank you so much. Can you just share your website and social channels so people can connect with you?
1: Yes. So our website is www.inhercircle.ca. And you can find us on um, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at inhercircle.ca.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jessica.
1: Thank you.
0: Allie Payne is back, what she said's own expert on the parent-teen relationship. And this week, of course, we'll be discussing the ups and downs of young love and how to help our teens navigate the often painful experience of a broken heart. So buckle up, parents, as we dive into this important topic and learn how to support our teens through this journey. Welcome back, Allie.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I can't help but reflect on my own experiences of a broken heart as a teenager, (laughs) and I cringe now, obviously thinking about it, but it was very real and very painful in the
3: moment. So oh, yes, how do we help our teens through this? Well, so first of all, I just want to say that um, your teen dating is just ew and awkward. And it's all kind of no, I don't want that. I'm just going to let you know, it is going to happen. It is a normal and natural part of their adolescent brain, their hormone development to begin to seek love and approval outside of family and now outside of friends to more romantic relationships. So I just want to say that's normal. Of course, you can set boundaries around perhaps what that looks like. uh, But more importantly, you want to help them set up healthy relationships. So talk about it. Talk about movies, characters, what they're seeing on social media, what is a healthy romantic relationship and boundaries and autonomy. So I just want to get that out of the way first, okay? Because otherwise, they're still going to pick who they pick and no, I'm sorry, you don't get to have a say over it. When the relationship perhaps sours, it is really critical to validate and empathize with your team because I know so many parents. I went through this too. I had a horrible, horrific breakup after a two-year relationship. And I spent most of my time for the next two weeks at my friend's house because she and her mom were the ones consoling me. My mom didn't know how to. So even though you might feel like, oh my gosh, it's not the end of the world. Like there's other relationships, but it is the end of the world for them. It is the end of the world as they knew it. Now, I'm gonna go back and point to what I said in the first minute, which is yes, many teenagers are growing up a little codependent where they are diving their whole life into this relationship and using it as a way to define their value and worth in the world. And so it comes with a larger crash, so that's why it's even more important for you to empathize and validate to say things like, look, this is so painful. You know, I'm so sorry. And you don't need to fix it. As you're saying this, I'm thinking back
0: on my own experience. And I remember, you know, being broken hearted. And my mother was quite dismissive of me. Now, I'm not judging. But that sure. was just basically it. And I think internally, I felt like I could not go to her anymore with these things. Like you said, right. you went put your sorrows with somebody else, I did the same thing. And you want your kids to feel safe sharing this with you. So as tempted as you are to say, there's plenty of fish in the sea, this isn't a big deal, though, you know, you have to bite your tongue a lot.
3: Right. And that that's exactly this. My next point is that you don't need to know what to say. And it's not your job to fix it. So please just back away. Your discomfort with your teen's discomfort. Is an issue. So you go be uncomfortable with that somewhere else. But if you are projecting your discomfort on them by trying to fix them and solve them or get them to stop being so hurt and just let it go and move on, that's about you. That's not what they need. What they need is for you to simply empathize and validate, to see them that it is hurtful. It is hard. It changes a lot of their social structure because they were probably hanging out with friends who perhaps were dating or a group of friends that were their romantic partners friends and now so it changes a lot it changes there's people at school whispering in the hallways did you hear they broke up like all of these things it is a very big deal so empathizing and validating with your teen remembering that you were once that as well and that is your world and is really number one by the way that is scientifically proven to begin healing number two is also not fixing just in case you were wondering number two is asking them you know what is, what does support look like? Because sometimes for teens, it might be if you have a teen daughter or, or son, regardless, you know, it might be, can you just do some things with me? Because now all this time I spent with them is time that I feel exacerbatingly lonely and I don't like it. So maybe it's go for coffee, go window shopping. Uh, Maybe they just even go grocery shopping with you. Maybe it's, you go do an activity together just to help them through that lump, that horrible alone space where friends just don't fill the void, but ask, don't assume that you know what support looks like. And again, please don't invalidate teen love. You wouldn't want someone invalidating your love or care for someone, even if you did not love or care for them and going, well, thank goodness they weren't good for you. All of that is going to drive a divide so they feel less safe to come and share in the future not more likely to come and share, they're going to hide rather than share. And that's not a situation that we want.
0: As usual, Ali, you are full of great advice. I was smiling a little bit because it is such a bittersweet time watching your kids go through this and discover what love is like and the heartbreak. And, you know, it's, it's really just important to maintain your empathy, I think, through the whole thing. So absolutely. Thank you
3: so much for joining me. Of course, people will want to know more. So where do they find you and keep up? They can find me at Allie Payne on TikTok and Instagram and AlliePayne.com on my website.
0: All right, Allie, we'll see you next month. Thank you.
2: Just to get close
0: to you. It's time to check in with what's new in entertainment with Anne Brody and this week we're kicking things off with the I Has to Travel all about Diana Vreeland.
4: And you know it's not new it's from 2011 I've been waiting to see it for so long and finally Amazon Prime Video has it. Diana Vreeland was the longtime editor of Harper's Bazaar and then Vogue. And then she was at the Costume Institute in New York. And she totally turned the world of fashion and magazines on its head. There was nothing she wouldn't do, no expense she would spare. Apparently, at one point, she ordered... 50,000 Orchids to be shipped up to the Yukon for a shoot. Just so extravagant, and you love it. And she's so well-spoken and so witty and so cutting, you know. You can't help but kind of admire her. She just says what she means. She was famous, first of all, for doing a column called Why Don't You, which was really silly, and she admits it. She did it for years in the 40s and 50s. Things like, Why Don't You Wear Velvet, Violet, gloves with everything. Why don't you dye your children's hair with champagne? The silly stuff, but it made her famous. So she went on to have tremendous power. She was revered by not only photographers and models. By the way, she introduced Verushka, Twiggy, and Penelope Tree, but she was great friends with the rock and rollers. She was quite elderly. Mick Jagger, David Bowie were close friends, and their music's in the, in the Documentary. One thing I found amusing is that she loved the color red. Her whole living room was done in red. And I have a picture on the website. <laughs> so she was quite the character and someone we can admire. And I'm telling you, I've ordered a couple of books on and by her because I was so intrigued. All
0: right. So that's on Amazon Prime right now. So we'll have to check that out. Let's talk about One
4: Fine Morning. This is a really delightful film with Leah Seydoux, who's one of the greatest actors out of Europe, I think. So she plays a single mother and an interpreter, and she has no use for love anymore. It's let her down too much. Plus, she's looking after her father, who has dementia. I mean, she has some help, but she's really very put upon. Well, one day she runs into an old lover. They, they begin a, an affair again. He's married. He won't leave his wife. He keeps breaking it off with her and then coming back. You see her dealing with this, everything that she faces in, with such intelligence and grace and dignity. She's so subtle and so superb. I really would highly recommend One Fine Morning. Plus, she's a real beauty. She's always been a beauty, but here she, her hair is clipped right back to her head. She wears all these sloppy pandemic clothes, and, and that beauty of spirit and face just shines through.
0: And where's where can we catch that in?
4: This is at TIFF Bell Lightbox and select theatres across Canada.
0: I really thought somebody I used to know
4: looked really sweet. Well, (laughs) my take is it stars uh, uh, Alison Brie as Allie. She did the movie with her husband, uh, Dave Franco, James' brother. She plays a woman who's fired from her cooking show job and runs home to sort of rural America, where she spies an old boyfriend and and puts the moves on him. Well, he's about to be married in a couple of days, so she sort of insinuates her way. She wants him. She's going to grab him from the bride. It's a strange twist for a romantic comedy. But Brie does, I mean, she does a good job. She, her character is so self-absorbed. It's just so anti-rom-com, as a matter of fact. So. <laughs> well, let's go over to the traditional rom-com
0: then, because you've also got the Love Club.
4: I have interviews with the four ladies on the site, and it's four separate films. You can binge them or watch them as a standalone. But each film follows one of these four women in the love club who help each other with the romantic problems. Uh, They started it in a New Year's Eve party, and they'd they'd all been let down by their men uh, 10 years earlier. And they come to one another's rescue. One is married. She has problems that they deal with for her. They advise her. Another one is ruled by her athleticism. She thinks that's where her value is. You know, they each have their own little problems. So, you know, we have a variety of characters. Each one is really well-defined. They have very specific problems. It's about women helping one another, and it's about the possibility of love, even though you may have either misjudged it or have devoted yourself to yourself, that there's all kinds of things that can happen in this life. So it's really fun. It's on W Network and it starts tonight. It's also on Stack so you can see it either at once or weekly.
0: All right. So you've got all of these obviously, where to see them, when to catch them over on what she said talk.com plus a lot more.
4: And we will see you next week. Thanks, Ann. We'll see you next week, Candace.
0: As we approach Valentine's Day, a holiday often associated with couples, I thought it would be a good time to talk about the single life and the realities of being single in Canada. Nora Spinks is CEO of Work Life Harmony Enterprises, a firm that makes things happen in communities and workplaces. Nora is joining me today to share with us her insights on singleism, the stigma and discrimination that single people face in society, and why unmarried and childless women are the happiest subgroup in the population. Welcome to What She Said, Nora. Pleasure to be here, Candice. So how would you define singleism then? And how does it impact single individuals in society?
5: So when we think about single, what we mean is currently not in a monogamous, committed relationship with another adult. And it may mean that you have an ex. It may mean that you're co-parenting. It may mean that you're in early adulthood and have never been in a committed relationship. It may be that you have chosen not to be in a couple relationship. And it may be that by circumstances through death or through illness or loss of a loved one that you find yourself single after a period of time being in a couple. And basically, our society is is designed for couplehood, whether it's the way in which we go on vacation and it's always cheaper with double occupancy with the assumption that you're going to be in a relationship where you can share intimate space with one another as one example we know that people will often ask you know are you married you know is this your partner when are you going to partner so there's pressure from family from loved ones From employers, employers assume that employees that are coupled are more stable and more, therefore, more reliable and often given more opportunities for advancement. So we see this pressure on individuals to partner, to stay partnered and benefit from being one of a partner.
0: And the reality is a lot of us are going to be single at some point. And I don't understand why we attach so much stigma to that.
5: Well, you know, it really is about social norms. And, you know, it used to be, especially women, that if you weren't partnered at a particular age, whatever that maximum age was before you were partnered away, that you were somehow a failure, a loser, spinster, you know, nobody loves you, which is completely false. And you can have deep loving relationships. You can be seeking a partnership and simply at the moment being single. You may choose to stay single your entire life for many, many reasons. And that's not seen as being uh, typical in terms of adult behavior or that it's somehow you can't settle. You know, this concept of let's get you settled. Um, Or, you know, when you're settled, which is really another way of saying once you've partnered.
0: And I think, you know, we're starting to talk about this a lot more because there's a lot of studies that have come out recently to show that women who are single, unmarried and childless are the happiest subgroup in this in the population. And there was a quote I read that said, you know, uh, if if you're a man, you should probably get married. And if you're a woman, don't bother. And that made me (laughs) laugh because there are clear benefits. So can we talk about some of the benefits? Because I think this particularly February is a hard time (laughs) to be single because as a society, we do put that pressure. So let's look at the plus sides of being single for a few minutes.
5: Well, you know, we do know that the stress levels are lower as a single woman you're not having to meet expectations you're not having to inform or consult or uh, negotiate all of that is stress both on your time it's cognitive stress you know if you're super busy and you want to get something done but you have to pause and and consult or or seek advice from a partner It can be uh, stressful. You can be single and raising children. If you're making all the decisions and not have to consult with anybody, that can reduce your stress significantly. Um, Being single allows you to make decisions on your own, make decisions at the last minute, change your mind without having to make an excuse or make an explanation, there's lots of things around being single that can actually be very freeing and very allow you to be very flexible and agile and responsive. And you know, it it can provide you with a lot less stress. Now, having said that, we are social animals. And oftentimes when we talk about single, there's single and being alone and lonely, and there's single and being alone and being connected to a community. And those are two very different things. And we know that you know single living is one of the fastest growing types of households in this country, both at young adulthood, middle adulthood, and older adulthood and into seniorhood. And so, you know, when we hear that somebody's single, we tend to put all these stereotypes and and biases that we layer on top of that, as opposed to just getting to know that person and getting to know who they are and where they are in their life and, and what excites them and what brings them joy.
0: Yeah, I think often we equate single with being lonely and we attach, you know, words like spinster and old maid to it, which is ridiculous. But do you think it's a little bit harder for people who are single to create a community around them so that the loneliness doesn't creep in? Or or is this something that, you know, there are communities out there?
5: There are definitely communities out there. I don't think that being alone and being single necessarily means you will be lonely, Although loneliness and social isolation has been increasing dramatically in our society and around the world, contributed in part by COVID, but also because of the way we've structured our social lives and more of us are working remotely or we're not as engaged in community as we once were. We don't have the same kind of time or rhythms to volunteer in our community or join a club or be part of a group. We are no longer, by and large, participating in faith communities, which have their own community and and sort of ritual and rhythm over the course of the week, the month, the year. So, you know, being single does mean that you have to be consciously aware of including social interaction in your life in order to remain healthy, in order to circle yourself with the support of loved ones and people who are your champions, who are your cheerleaders, who are your sounding board. You know, you can find people in your life and make a commitment to those relationships so you don't have to be lonely and alone when you're single.
0: Okay, so let's wrap this up then. So any advice you want to, you know, words of encouragement you'd like to give women at this very trying time of year as we head into Valentine's Day and how maybe they can push back on what some of that pressure that they are under?
5: Well, I think the first and foremost for all of us is love yourself. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with celebrating self-love and self-care at this time of the year. So if nobody's gonna buy you flowers and bring you chocolates and pamper you, uh, pamper yourself, give yourself a treat. Uh, Find other friends who you want to spend time with and celebrate friendship and connection and be together, plan, be excited, try new things, have a date night with your friends. So it's part of your regular routine and ritual to have those social connections. We know it's good for your social health, your mental health, your brain health. You want to make sure that you have those connections, and when they're right for you. And there is no magic answer. You know, meet with your friends so many times a week, and you'll have optimal health. You will know when it's right for you, and whether that's joining a book club or having a buddy for walking partner, or starting a business together, there are lots of ways that single women can form those connections, maintain those bonds, create those circles of support. And even though they may be single and the world might not be designed to embrace singlehood, and you may face some discrimination or lack of support because of your singlehood, Embrace it, celebrate it, and you will be just fine.
0: Nora, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom. I'd like people to be able to keep up with you because you talk about much more than just this, obviously. So where can they find you? And uh, do you have social channels?
5: Yes. Thank you, Candace, And it's always a pleasure to connect and talk about these important issues and the realities of life. So if anybody wants to reach me, I'm available on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, just look for Nora Spinks, and I would be happy to engage you in conversation.
0: Incredible. Thank you again. And
5: we'll have you back. Thank you so much. Bye bye.
0: Most people, present company included, would tell you that a root canal would be preferable to dating after divorce. It can be uncomfortable, awkward, and very discouraging. Nadine Araxi has personally experienced the difficulties of navigating the dating scene after a significant life change, and she wrote about the post-divorce dating scene and has also recorded a longer podcast with me and the owners of Chapter 2 Dating. She joins me today to share a bit of her insights and advice for anyone dipping their toe back into the dating pool. Welcome back to the show Nadine.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: It's such a strange thing dating again after divorce. So how did you navigate that initial awkwardness and discomfort?
6: Well I think like most people that hadn't dated you know in 20 plus years or however long it's been for your listeners I made a lot of mistakes. I think I went at it you know, looking to scratch an itch, if I can be honest, and and kind of feeling like I had to rip the bandaid off, just get out there, get out there, don't, you know, stay alone too long, you'll get stuck in that way of living. And there's so much that I didn't know about myself, about what kinds of questions to ask when I was meeting people. And it's been quite the journey now, you know, five, six years later, I have learned a lot, which I talk about in my Chatelaine article and in the podcast we recorded.
0: So let's start then at sort of that beginning stage of getting back into dating. Do you have any advice for women who are thinking about setting up a profile or putting themselves out there? What would, What's the first things you should consider?
5: Yeah,
6: so I think, you know, So much of it is about setting a hypothesis, you know, and exploring and really going at it with a curiosity and almost like you're collecting data. I always say data, data and setting that hypothesis of like, I wonder what will happen. You know, maybe I wonder if I'll meet someone who make me laugh again. I wonder if I'll meet someone who likes going dancing as much as me. Setting a bit of a hypothesis is key and getting really clear on the what and the why. So many women I talk to in my coaching practice or even while interviewing people for various articles on dating, they're so caught up in the weeds, in the how, in the exact steps for the process, and they lose sight of why do you even want to do this to begin with? why does this matter and it's so important when we're approaching anything new in life to really be sure that it's not a should it's not somebody imposing their expectation on you or some story we've bought into about you know what we're supposed to do after divorce separation etc and make sure it's something that really matters to you that you really want it because it's not it's not Unpleasant, but there are unpleasant sides to it. And if you're going to navigate those waters, you want to be clear on your goal. Is your goal to get married again? Is your goal to not get married ever again, but like really have companionship? What kind of companionship? What does that look like? And sort of visualizing your life and is someone the icing on the cake or are they like deeply integrated into your cake?
0: And do you think there's an appropriate amount of time that women should wait, you know, to start dating again after
6: separation or divorce? I I think everyone's on their own timeline. There's obviously a lot of grief that comes with separation or divorce. You need to give yourself space to feel your feelings and to get to know yourself again. I always tell women to really start to fall in love with themselves again, you know, go out there and see like, what did you love doing before you got into this long term relationship? Because you know, relationships are about compromise, and so often as women, we compromise to a point where we barely recognize ourselves when we get to the end of our relationship. So really like, who am I now? Who do I want to be? And giving yourself the space and time to figure that out so that you can put yourself in some interest-based situations. If you don't want to do the apps, you know, I have friends who join like hiking clubs or movie clubs and things like that. You can still meet people in the wild, quote unquote. But it's, I don't think there's a specific timeline. It's really checking in with yourself to say, are you ready? And for me, it was like, try it for a bit and go, "Uh Oh, no, not ready. Go back to therapy, figure out some things and then go out there again.
0: Yeah, I think approaching it with that sort of open mind before and you know, and do the therapy, I can't say that enough, I agree with you completely, you have to do the therapy before you jump out there and start dating again, because you don't want to jump back
6: into the same relationship. Correct. So often, we people we're attracted to can be because it's familiar, right? It can be something feels familiar. But what we're trying to avoid is repeating patterns that may have been harmful to us in our last relationship, and really getting comfortable with no, with rejection, both from our From us to the person, you know, we talked about on the podcast, you don't have to swipe right on everyone that says like, hey, beautiful, because they probably said it to 10 other people, getting a discernment and an acceptance of rejection, because you're looking for the people who are looking for you.
0: Perfect. I love that. So we recorded almost an hour long podcast on this about what to put in your dating profile, how to share your picture, what you need to know before you start dating again with Anne and Amit from Chapter 2 Dating and yourself. And so it's really informative. So I hope people will tune into that. They can find it up on podcast right now. In the meantime, though, you're always writing and sharing about your experiences. So where can people keep up with you, Nadine?
6: Yeah, so I often write at Chatelaine. That's a good place to go look for me. Uh, Nadine Araksi, A-R-A-K-S-I, on social media platforms. And you can find my coaching business at kickstartology.com.
0: All right, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks
6: for having me,
4: Candace.
2: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
0: For the final interview of the day, we're getting personal as we discuss a little-known holiday that's on nobody's mind, but perhaps should be. February 13th is National Poop Day, and we're here to talk about the importance of keeping it healthy. Joining me now to lead us down this not-so-glamorous-but-important path is Dr. Ashley Margitson. So get ready to learn all about the ins and outs of proper poop health. I can't promise it'll be a gas, but I can guarantee you'll never look at your bathroom habits the same way again. Welcome back to what she said, Ashley.
7: Thank you so much for having me. I'm not going to lie. It's we're not going to be a gassy segment. We're not going to go anything AWOL. But my goodness, how often do you really look into your toilet? Not often enough, I'm
0: thinking. So let's talk about it. Let's just get right into the messy details. What do we
7: need to be looking for and doing? So there's a lot of different ways that we figure out what's going on in our body. We can talk about blood work, we can talk about looking at our periods, we can talk about talking about symptoms, but in all honesty, when it comes down to it, looking at your poop is one of the best ways to understand what your gut is doing, how you might be aging, And if you're actually absorbing any of that food that you put into your body, last thing we want you to do is eat a pile of great nutritious food and take an awesome supplement or medication and have it come out in the toilet. So poop and looking at it is actually pretty important. And probably, you know, people probably don't admit it, but come on, we all look oh, you totally all look, and we smell. And that smell in particular comes from the microflora of our gut. And so inside our gut, there is literally hundreds of trillions of bacteria that live in there. They make certain byproducts and they have to eat things to survive. So one of the things that all of this gut in our bacteria love to eat on is fiber. And Have you ever heard that word before, Candace? I have heard of fiber. so But why is it so important here, though? Well, fiber is the food that all of those little bugs feed on. And ideally, what we want is we want those bugs to be feeding on great fibers to make sure that the good gut bugs are growing And the not-so-great bugs are kind of staying suppressed. So when your poop gets super loose, or if it gets super hard, or it gets really smelly, or, you know, kind of does that cow patty heart in the bottom of the toilet bowl, which we've all kind of looked at and gone, oh god, what did I eat? It's a sign that our microflora might be off. And this goes beyond everything that people talk about when it comes to probiotics, right? Probiotics are just those bugs. What we really care about as naturopathic doctors is, so what are those bugs eating? And that's where prebiotics can be highly beneficial.
0: So should we be taking prebiotics every day? Because I've always thought prebiotics were just really to follow when you're on an antibiotic. It
7: depends on your gut. So if you're having great poops, you have them consistently after every meal, they're well-formed, they don't smell, they sink to the bottom of the toilet bowl and you don't see any food in them, guess what? Your microbiota probably is pretty healthy, but stress can impact that. Perimenopause can impact that. And one of the most common things I hear from my patients when it comes to perimenopause is that they're like, so I get the hot flash thing and the night sweat thing, but I'm constipated all of the time and when you don't poop good you generally don't feel good and so that's why even though those bowels might be moving relatively well if you're not feeling great we do kind of want some prebiotic fibers coming in there's great food sources of prebiotic fibers and our preference is always getting it with food as much as you can things like onions and garlic and asparagus are highly beneficial but Maybe you have a sensitivity to maps. Maybe you want something else that you don't have to worry about all the time. That's where sometimes supplements can be beneficial. Not going to lie. I highly love the company, Ben Beauty, that's got an awesome gut supplement out because, you know, they're around the corner from me and they're an awesome East Coast company.
0: So let's talk a little bit about hydration. How much does that impact how things are working? Because I know a lot of people are very underhydrated.
7: Oh my goodness. And if you are drinking water and peeing it out right away, you are not getting hydration to your cells, which is what we really want. So, hydration, yeah, you're not, I just saw your face. You're not supposed to drink some water and then go to the bathroom right away. It doesn't work that way. We want the hydration to actually hit your bowels, which means A, we need enough salt in that water to be able to get that hydration in. Secondly, those prebiotics that we just talked about, those fibers, the insoluble fibers help pull water from outside of our bowels into our bowels. And that's what helps us keep going relatively regularly. So if you don't have a ton of insoluble fibers coming in, it doesn't matter how much water you drink, it's not getting into your digestive system to actually help the bowels.
0: This is a much bigger topic than I expect it to be. I have to tell you, we we don't have time to even get into it all. So I want people to be able to find you. I'm going to
7: assume you talk about this a lot on the Superwoman Code, right? We do. And we talk a lot about how stress in particular affects your gut. All right. Excellent. So
0: I want people to be able to race over to you your podcast and your social sites now to get all the information
7: they need to keep their gut and obviously their poop healthy so where can they do that ashley you can find us on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms at the superwoman code and you can also catch me on instagram at dr ashley margison and so if you've got any poop questions no pictures questions feel free to pop them over and i will do my best to answer them on this lovely Valentine's day Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ashley. Thanks so much.
0: That's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region.